today's guest is my brother from another mother, man. I remember meeting this guy. I remember I was sitting in a homeroom and all of a sudden you got this 210, 220 pound freshman just walking in the room with fatigue shorts on. I think you have fatigue shorts on that day. You didn't even have your uniform on. We went to Catholic school. We wore a shirt. (laughs) Big dude comes in with with freaking shorts and a t-shirt, bro. All right, he's official. And we all had the same row because they put us in alphabetical order. So he, I think he was in front of me. And what's his name? The quarterback, Larson. Larson. Yeah. Was in front of me. That's crazy. I remember that. Yo, um, I, know, I remember like yesterday. And I got detention that first day of school, by the way. Starting <laughs> <laughs> off right. So, you know, just a quick run through about Laz's accomplishments and one of, you know, his greatest accomplishments are his two beautiful children. And then from there, this dude was the 100 and 200 meter freshman New York City champ. First freshman to ever play varsity football in the Catholic school. That's that's wow. big dog. That's big yeah. dog stuff right there. Mm. Junior year, he was the runner up for player of the year in Queens. Senior year, one player of the year. Um, Catholic high school, all-star, MVP, all-star. Red shirt year at LIU, rushing and touchdown record. Sophomore year, preseason All-American. Now my man is powerlifting, two-time RPS champ at the 275 class. Nationally Ooh. ranked powerlifter, 275. Best total, 1,800. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. stuff. So, Laz, I think for me, you know, we, we know each other really well. And I think, you know, through the years with everything that's happened, we've matured, we've evolved. When I think of great, players and we've played against some really great athletes because it's just the city has a lot of people right Mm -hmm. and anytime I think of a great athlete I I think of you I think of playing ball with you I think of you know running track with you and I always looked up to you I was like oh man this dude is just he's just a freak of nature when it comes down to it and you know tell us a little bit about your upbringing man like where you're from about your parents and all that. And then, you know, we'll we'll have some questions for you and all yeah. that. We'll we'll make this fun. Well, you know, before I kick it off again, I wanna I wanna thank you guys for having me on the show. And Chris, you know, you're my brother, man. I love you. And we've <laughs> been through a lot, man. A lot of ups yeah. and downs. I think that's who that's what brought us to where we are today, you know? And much like, you know, Patrick and and Jake story, you know, I, listen guys, I went through a lot of struggles, a lot of battles. I'm a single child. My parents immigrated from Jamaica and, uh, you know, they worked hard to try to, you know, provide me with the best education. And, and I remember when I started playing sports, my father was always an athlete, soccer head, running, you know, up and down the soccer field. Chris knows. This and, dude is uh, still cut. I bet you he's still cut. Yeah, my father, like, people, people would look at my father and would swear he's a bodybuilder. My father has never touched a weight in his life. He oh just, gosh, wow. he's just a genetic freak of nature, really yeah. is. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I aspire to be like him in, in that regards, but uh, I got a little bit more girth than he does. So it's <laughs> <laughs> aesthetic, you know? But yeah, I, I remember being in the second, third grade and playing football, and I'm this little short, stubby kid, but I was always one of the fastest kids, and people were like, dude, you got to come out and play football. Go play football. So and I said, you know what? Let me let me go give it a shot. And I remember I went out, I was nine, 10 years old, and I started playing Pop Warner football, right? And guys, I struggled. I was a fat boy, you know? 
I struggled with weight every single game. I was one of those mm-hmm. kids that had to put the bag on, rub mm-hmm. some Vaseline, mm-hmm. and go running to mm-hmm. make weight more for the game. Right? <laughs> yep. Right here. <laughs> right. But, you know, my dream was to always be a running back. And that's because I had the speed. But, you know, because of my stature, my size, my weight, I played the line. And I, I played the line for years. You know, I started to, you know, grow, grow into myself a bit. And I finally got the opportunity to play running back. And I always say that this was the defining moment for who I became, right? I think some people in life take criticism and they allow it to be their demise. Mm-hmm. I remember I was maybe 11 years old when I first got the opportunity, 12, to play running back. Coach Barnett, I don't know if you remember him, Chris. Yep, yep. He's a big time coach in Pop Warner. And then, you know, he went on to coach high school. But the first game I played running back, he was like, Lazarus. What the heck is your problem? You're running like you're scared. And I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. that day, right? It was the first time that someone like shook me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've always, I took that moment and I could have let it make me more insecure. And I Mm -hmm. took that moment as a pivotal time to say, I'm going to prove him and everybody else wrong. Mm -hmm. And I always, I can accredit that very moment, that game. And I think we was playing Queens Falcons that game. Right. Mm-hmm. That was my squad. That was your squad. Right? <laughs> and I can always accredit that pivotal part of my life that set the course for what I was going to do along my athletic career. Hold on, Laz, real quick. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question since we're talking about coaches and stuff like that. That to me is a very beautiful moment because it was pivotal in your life. But right. what I want to ask, you, what was your relationship with Coach Barnett prior to that? What type of relationship did you guys have? So, you know, when I started playing football, you know, again, I was on the line and, you know, the linemen don't get the love, right? They don't get the shine, the glitz and glamour, the quarterbacks, (laughs) the running backs and receivers. So, you know, I kind of went, you know, in the shadows for a long time. Mm -hmm. But one thing they knew me for is that I was fast and I was always able to hit, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. because I had a little lower sense of gravity and Mm -hmm. with my speed and my size. But, you know, it developed after that, to be honest, you know, and it wasn't until I started to really. I think he really started to see my abilities is when mm-hmm. he really poured into me. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, Chris, mm-hmm. I always tell people when you go down south, especially for football and West, you have mm-hmm. a lot of big names. Yeah. What separates inner city kids is as far as skill level, I always say inner city kids is probably superior. What mm-hmm. we lack as we progress is maybe certain work ethic, at least back then, right? Yeah. So yeah. here you are, you're lined up with guys that are superstars in both basketball, right? And yeah. in football. Yeah. So the cards are stacked, you know, and it's super competitive in New York, believe it or not. It's very mm-hmm. competitive, you know? So, yeah, yeah I, I kind of, you know, went to the waistline a little bit, but, you know, once he started to see some of my abilities, he really started to pour into me, really yes. started to pour into me. And, that, and, I, and that in the back of my mind, I was going to forever prove him and everybody else and, and that that's what's important, though, right? <laughs> between the, the relationship between the coach and the athlete, right? right? The coach has to invest in the athlete. And you and you said it beautifully. He was pouring in you and whatever he was pouring in you was he was basically planting a seed in you. So that that moment when he was like, Lazarus, you need to run. Boom. It right. clicked. Right. right. It started to blossom. And that's a that's a very important note to all the coaches out there. Right. Invest in the kids because you never know. You never know. You might have an Anthony Lazarus on your hands. Right. Sorry, man. Go ahead. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I, I went on to get MVP of the league in Pop Warner, and then that's when, you know, me and Chris, I ended up going to Christ the King, and we ran into each other, and man, it was it was, it was was special, man. It was a special mm-hmm. union between me and Chris. We did, we ran track, we played ball like, I mean, thirst buckets, literally. <laughs> we played basketball day in and day out. You would have thought we were basketball players more than we were. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's when we kicked it off, and we ran track, and we took, what did we take, the four-by-one freshman year, too? Four by four and four by one. Four by four and four by one. So we took that New York City champs. And, you know, much like Chris said, I mean, I I respected him. And I'll tell you this, guys, you know, I remember because Chris then after freshman year, he went to, what was it, Groton, Massachusetts, right? Lawrence Academy, yeah. Lawrence Academy, right. And he went over to those big time schools. And I remember I used to always have a little edge on Chris, you know, (laughs) we were fast. I was always a little faster. We used to jump out the roof. I mean, people used to look at us when we used to go to the park, I mean, we were doing, you know, dunks like you would see in a dunk contest, you know, at mm, five to mm, so freshman, sophomore year of high school. So we were like real athletes, like not just borderline athletes. We did it both on the basketball field and the football field. And I remember, you know, Chris came back and this kid, I mean, he was an astronaut. He was just <laughs> jumping on top of the backboard. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you know, what? I got to, I got to step my game up, you know? So he, he, he definitely motivated me. And every year I had like a little competition, like he's not coming back this summer and jumping higher than me. Yeah. You know, he came back started jumping higher than me anyway, you know? So, it was friendly competition, right? It was, you know? it was. Talk a little bit about your college years, man. How was that? Cause I, you know, I, I feel like we, we didn't connect too much during the college years. Things kind of, you know, you went one way, I went one way. Talk to us a little bit about that. So just to kind of backtrack, a lot like Patrick, going into my senior year, the game before our championship game, I got injured. I made a plant to cut back and my knees buckled. And I was like, whoa, mm. and immediately dropped the ball, fumbled. And I tried to go back that game, but I, I wasn't able to. We won that game that brought us to the championship game. And I remember that week, we had this trainer called Anton. He was a world-renowned fighter. He used to fight across the world, UFC, actually martial arts. Mm-hmm. But he was a phenomenal trainer. And this guy had his methods and he got me good enough to play in the game. But it's funny when I look back on those videos, that entire game, I was running with a limp. And I mm. finished off that game with about 160 yards. With a torn ACL? Well, at the time, I didn't know it was torn. Oh, right? wow. I just thought yes. it was an injury. Damn. And then I'm like, all right, what's going on with my knee? Now this All-Star game was two weeks later. So I played an All-Star game, bum knee still. I got MVP of that All-Star game, right? Holy, Holy shit. But I'm still not thinking anything of it. I'm just like, my knee. And finally, my mom's like, all right, let's go get it checked out. Because, mm. you know, you listen, you play football, you've had injuries. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, nothing severe. Some injuries are longer than others, right? Yeah. And then there's also pain threshold, right? Like some people can, can chill with pain for longer than others. Yeah. 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 And I went and got an MRI and it was actually a Mets doctor. He was a Mets doctor at the time. And he said, you have a torn ACL. And at that time, you know, I'm like, torn ACL. The first thing I'm thinking, this is career ending. Because, you know, growing up, you oh, know, yeah, these guys yeah, in the NFL, yeah. I'm like, wow, my career was done. Thank God I had already gotten an offer to LIU mm-hmm. when I found out. So I committed to that, but I'm sitting here like, I'm so confused because I'm like, I played on two games on this knee. It's yeah. impossible. How is it even torn? Mm. Well, fast forward, I got surgery that March. Now, check this out. Got surgery in March. That August, I went to football camp. Oh. No one knew 
I had surgery because I didn't want it to affect my scholarship. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. So, so here I am, March, what's that? April, May, June, July, five months in. I'm in uh, collegiate football camp doing two a days. Oh Every single day, I'm going back to the room, icing it because my knees are swollen, right? Mm. But I just didn't want it to affect my scholarship. I didn't know what would happen, you know? Yeah. You know, thank God I, I redshirt that year. No one knew. I went out, I practiced. I, they almost burned my redshirt. That's how good I was because, you know, <laughs> wow. they almost burned me like literally halfway through the season. And I remember... Wow. My teammates, you know, that came in the same year, they used to laugh at me because I, I used to hide behind behind guys because I'm like, please don't burn my red shirt halfway through the year, you know? Yeah, yeah. But our, our running backs at the time were struggling a bit, you know? So that's how those things started off. And then I went into my red shirt year. Now, surprisingly, when I went into my red shirt year, I was a little bit out of shape. See, college is very pivotal in a lot of athletes' life, right? Because mm-hmm. you now have a certain level of freedom and a certain level of responsibility that you have to display, right? You don't have mom, dad, you don't have your coaches after you work. Like literally, whether you go to class, whether you train on the side, it's up to you. You're mm-hmm. completely responsible for your destiny, right? Mm-hmm. So I went into redshirt, yeah, a little bit out of shape, guys, to be honest. It took me two days to meet the running tests, you know, the sprints. We used to have to do 10 sprints. Did you do the 110s? We had to do the 110s, right? 10, 110. Yeah, uh, I know. It was brutal. <laughs> wait, wait. So what is a 110? I want to hear about this. So you had to run a 110-yard sprint 10 times. Based on your position, you had a specific time that you had exactly. to do. Oh, and, my And check this. God. If you failed it, you had to wake up the next morning and do it again at 6 oh. a.m. Uh. And single day until you pass it. This was universal, guys. Damn. <laughs> That's you know, crazy. You get, to, you get to number eight and you really, and you try to rethink, like, why were you born? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing after the third one, I'm like over here like, damn. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I mean, you know, halfway in, you're seeing the bright lights from above. And, uh, <laughs> one of God is calling you home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You can't see anything else, right? So, you know, I did come in a little bit out of shape. And, you know, just to pivot a little bit, just to backtrack on what I said earlier, there's many things that we in the inner city, we're so gifted with raw talent. Mm -hmm. The city is very, can be a big distraction. And if you're not grounded, level-headed, it's very easy to bear off and get distracted and not do the things you had to do. And, And I, that was the beginning of me. Right. But fast forward, that freshman, my redshirt freshman year, I rushed for like 1600 yards and 20 something touchdowns. Mm. So I actually broke. We had a running back that was older than me. His name was Ian Smart. He ended up being a punt returner for the Jets. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on the Jets. He bounced around a little bit. I think he went to Tampa for a bit. So I ended up breaking his freshman record. You know, it was a great year. We went to the final eight. And then, you know, going into the second year, I was actually preseason All-American. So, you know, things, but again, guys, now I came in (laughs) even in worse shape than I did the year before, because, Mm. you know, at this time now I I had a daughter on the way, right? Mm. You know, my mindset wasn't football, right? My mindset was I have a child on the way, I have to go to school and I have to figure out a way to provide, right? Mm -hmm. So football practice, training, I went to work, school. Now, I didn't train the way I was supposed to. 
You understand? Mm-hmm. Because my focus was making money for this child that I was about to bring into the world. You know, being a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, I mean, I was so scared, you know, nervous. But I knew I came from a good foundation. I saw my father provided. I knew what I had to do. And, you know, that year I wasn't, I, I came in playing tailback. I was 255. I came in that year. Mm. Ron yeah. Dane, baby. Yeah, mm. literally. Damn. Literally. Or, or two lies. 265, and then I end up playing that season at 250. Got down yeah. to 250. But I was still, you know, I would still break runs. I was still, you know, I was one of those guys that was able to carry that weight, you know. But yeah. did it affect me? Yeah. Because my red shirt, yeah, I played at 218, mm. you know? Uh. 218. So big difference. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Things, you know, started to kind of go downhill for me from there. I had to leave that school for a semester. And then I went to LaGuardia Community College to get my grades back. And then I came back. But my career after my junior year, pretty much, I ended up having to get another knee surgery. I tore my medial collateral or mm. medial lateral. So mm. I had two surgeries on that same knee and it was pretty much down, downhill from there, guys. Yeah. Mm. So mm. That, that's pretty much how I wrapped up my college career. And, you know, I finished up school and I went out to my career. Went on the paper chase, so to speak. Nice. You know that we all try to do. Yeah, this is the reason why I call it the inner city blues, man. There's something about New York City's spirit. There's something. There's something about it. Without the right resources, it's very, very difficult. You know what I'm saying? And these are the things, like as a coach, and I coach guys in high school. I coach guys in college. As a coach, it's you want to make sure. And we were just talking about being present. That, you know, if we have this goal, what are the steps that we need to take right now? Not, you know, five years down the line, but right now in Mm -hmm. order to make it happen, because it all builds, it all builds up. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in the league. So when you compare it to like a kid that's down in Florida where there isn't that much going on, they may be in in some poverty, but there's something about New York City that is just it just pulls you in. And the whole thing of being present and being and being in the now is very difficult because there's so much there's so many other factors kind of swirling around you. Your universe is is much bigger. The planets that are all around you are there. There are much more that you have to deal with. You know, growing up, I I, I always felt like you were going to go to the league. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was just like the, he, he he has to. There's no way he can't because I would play against guys your size, right? I play defense and I would hate to have to tackle you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there's, right, there's, right. and I played against some big, big running backs. Right. And it was just like, yo, they were soft. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you had that NFL quality to you. Right. Right. Where, you know, a defensive player comes by you. It's like, damn, I'm going to have my dinner today, baby. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I used to love those one-on-one with the corners, man. It was open buffet, man. Or you can Right now, if you were to go back to 20, 19-year-old Lazarus, what would you say to him? Just to kind of piggyback on what you said, if I had to go back, the first thing I would do is, <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, is not be so close to home, not stay in New York. New York, any corner you go left, right? There's things pulling you in. And you know, Chris, when you used to come down in the summer, Mm -hmm. all we used to do was party. Now you were Mm -hmm. disciplined enough 
to still get your workouts in, right? Yeah. And I think that's what helped you because there was that little bit of balance to where you were. In New York, it's 24-7. There's this person, this group. You haven't even done a sprint. If I had to go back to 1920-year-old Anthony, first thing I would do is leave New York, not be so close to home, not be so close to friends and distractions. Yeah. Now, now, uh, no, I, I wanted to ask you something, Laz. I wanted to kind of bring it back for one sec because it sounds like you being in college playing ball was like that was that was the dream, you know. And you brought up you ended up you had a daughter on the way, right? You said a, you had said a yes. daughter. Okay, yes. what was that like for you? You know, because I know you you shared you were scared, and mm. where was your head at as far as like now I have a child on the way and my dream is playing ball. So like, mm. you know, did you have a breaking moment where it was like, man, like I'm going to have to kind of give up on this dream temporarily? Absolutely. I mean, along the way, when she was coming, these things were just playing on my mind. What am I going to mm. do? I have to work. I have to make money. And then when she came and she was born, football was secondary because mm. it was like, I felt at that time, like, it was school and then football was taking me away from her, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I focused, yeah. so I gave a fraction of the effort I should have. And just to backtrack a little bit, you know, and Chris can tell you this, one of the biggest things that I can go back and I'll tell people and I'll, I'll tell any youth or any kid that is born with natural ability, when you get older and you reach collegiate level, there's somebody outworking you 10, three times harder. Yes, and that sir. scale starts to tip in the other direction. And unfortunately for me, is I went my entire life just doing what I've been doing off of natural abilities, not putting in the work, the extra work needed to do. And it's carried me. But when I went to the collegiate level, okay, and you, you factor in with the distractions, that, that mm. scale, that pendulum starts to swing in a complete opposite direction and it, yeah. against you. But, you know, like you said, Jake, it was all about, my daughter, I went to school and it was like, I got to go back and see her. You know, I got to be her. And it it took me away from the workouts, the morning runs and all these different things. Yeah. 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 Man, I honor that. And and I can relate so much because something similar happened to me. I was actually, I met Pat because I lived in San Diego for a year and I was training out there and we trained at the same gym, but I had a job lined up at a performance center and I was interning and they were going to hire me. And my girlfriend and I ended up getting pregnant. And at the time, all our families back here on the East Coast. So I felt like, number one, I was scared. I was so scared. I was like, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, my life is over. All these stories that I've just heard for so long. And at the time, I thought my dreams were over. And, you know, it was like, same, man. When I go to work, I'm like so excited to get out and come home and hang out with her and just be with her and spend time with her. And it's like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Where at one point in my life, I thought, oh my gosh, this has taken me away from my dreams. So yeah, yeah, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. You know, you, you brought up the fact that, you know, if you were to do it over, you would not be in, in New York City. But here's the flip side to that, right? I truly believe with the right resources, with the right people, athletes can live in New York and they can thrive, right? They don't necessarily have to leave and go to a Lawrence Academy to play ball and thrive. But the key is it's the right resources, Right. I remember we, we had like Uncle Buff's gym, right? That we used to go to. That was the, yeah. <laughs> that was no Uncle bigger Buff? than yeah, Uncle Buff. Uncle Buff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude. Yeah. This dude was 
Probably 290, 300, and he probably had like five, it was like 5% body fat. Yeah. And he talked like this. He spoke like Tyson, too. Yeah, he talked like this, right? You know, and going back, like, I don't think the resources are there, right? We didn't have the coaches that had like that 360 view of the athlete, right? The mental, the physical, the spiritual aspect of the athlete. And and really trying to hone in those three areas and, and trying to grow those areas. Because right. with that, and, th- and this is something that I would love to bring back to New York City, because then we can make better decisions. Right. We can make much better decisions and as into how, like, how w- the stuff that we put in our bodies, the, the frequency that we're training, how we're training, and so on and so forth. And recovering. So, and recovering. And then so when... If something does, a life-changing event does happen, right? Like a baby comes into our lives, right? We can run both tracks and be mentally, physically, and spiritually healthy, right? Mm. Right? Mm. It's not healthy for a 19, 20-year-old to be running freaking races through his head about, I got a baby coming. I want to play ball. That's not healthy. (laughs) And then you got New York City beating the crap out of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know what's interesting? Uh, sorry, I, I think it's really interesting how you said back to that defining moment where, you know, your coach said something to you and you took it not as criticism, but as to kind of prove it that, you know, I'm going to show him. Right. How do you feel like, you know, with applying that mentality, you know, when you had your daughter, right? Because, you know, you're thinking like, you know, I got to sacrifice football. I got to work, make money. I got to provide, you know, for my family, like having that chip on your shoulder. And as it relates to life now, like after sports, Lars, how have you been able to really implement that mindset as it relates to, you know, after your career, after football, you know, knowing that you had to raise a daughter and it's a new challenge. It's a new game. It's the game of life. You know, I love that question. That's an awesome question. And I, that's something I reflect on all the time, right? And anytime I incur, encounter any challenges, one of the things that I think separates me, even in my career, is my confidence in myself. See, throughout those different journeys, right, they say without any test, there's no testament, right? Mm. I wasn't tested along my life as it came to athletics, being a young father, having to provide. Today, I wouldn't have the confidence I had. You see, each time I overcame one of those obstacles, it added a little bit more confidence to me mm-hmm. and a little bit more confidence. Now it's at the point where something happens and I laugh because I'm like, I got this. Because <laughs> I'm so confident in myself because of those challenges I overcame. Mm-hmm. I didn't succumb to those challenges. You know, I overcame them. You know, and fast forward, me adding a little bit of the competitive edge to the dynamics that I had from playing sports, you know, that's why, you know, different companies I go to, I'm one of the top salesperson in the company because the confidence, the competitive edge I have and the determination, those three things have propelled me throughout my career. And, so, and, and, and raising your daughter now adopting those intangible skills, you know, what we call like soft skills, right? You can be big and strong, but if you don't have that determination, the work ethic to push yourself in your career and business, or even in family and raising your child, it's like, you can have all the tools, right? But you can right. just be wasted, right? Wasted talent. And, you know, you, you, you have all that potential, but it's like, you don't fulfill it. So knowing like, you know, your experiences and kind of what you've gone through, 
what do you hope as a father that you want to instill in your daughter as it relates to those types of qualities? You know, the things that you've learned from athletics and then now, you know, as you're learning as a father and you've obviously gone. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I tell my kids all the time is you are in full control of your destiny. Mm -hmm. There's going to be curveballs thrown along the lines, right? For example, a lot like you, Patrick, I was 315 pounds about five years ago before I started getting back in shape. Then Chris kind of getting me into powerlifting. I had to be responsible for my actions, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, Patrick, I already lived with regrets, right? And some of those regrets is not only did a lot of people I grew up with thought I was going to the NFL, but I thought I was. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was, but to be honest, I didn't put in the work to do it. I didn't. So as I got older and I reflected on that past, I had to hold myself accountable for every decision that I made moving forward because I knew I didn't want to live with no more regrets. Mm-hmm. And the final straw for me was when I went to the doctor for a physical. And at this point, I was 300 and almost 320, right? This bad shape. And I'll never forget that day. I almost cried, right? I got a call from my doctor. I was just about diabetic. I had hyperpotentia, high cholesterol. And I had just had my son and I'm 29 years old. And I'm like, what did I do to myself? Mm -hmm. I was an athlete my entire life. And I was so disappointed. That was probably one of the most disappointing times in my life. Because I'm like, I have a newborn son that I need to be able to play basketball with, run with. And the way I am right now, I wouldn't even be able to do it. Mm. And that day when he broke the news to me, he was ready to prescribe medication. I told him, I said, no. He said, listen, you have things to do. And I said, I got it. I remember I got off that phone with water in my eyes, Mm. water in my eyes. And I get very passionate. I almost tear up about it now, right? Because I was so disappointed in Mm. what I became. And sometimes when you're in the picture, you don't see it, right? Because it's little by little. It's little by little, right? And a month and a half later, I dropped 30 pounds. In a month Mm. and a half, Mm. I dropped 30 pounds. By three months in, I was down almost 50 pounds and I never looked back. I never looked back. Now I'm bigger than what I was when I cut down because then I started the power lifting, but I I literally never looked back. And in that journey, in that negative, Mm -hmm. I flipped it to a positive and I developed a passion that I wish I had when I was playing football. (laughs) It was like, dude, like you love lifting. Where the heck was this 10 years ago? You know? Well, yeah. um, but you know, that was, that, that was, yeah, that was another defining moment for me. And so what I would want for my kids is for them to know that you do not make excuses. You are in full control of the course where your life should take you. You are in full control and every decision you make will affect that. It's like a domino effect. So mm-hmm. think about that. You know, don't think about life as checkers. Life is a chess. You have to position yourself and make key decisions along the way. That's going to checkmate, you know, get you to where you want to get. Yeah, it it definitely makes me reflect on even just everything that you just said, that story of that disappointment and how that was kind of one of the lowest points for you when I initially made the reflection of, is this the path I'm going on? Because my family does not have, I was not blessed with good genetics. You know, I mean, I had to work my ass off just to be average. And I think with my family and in the the heart disease and the diabetes and, you know, just all the health problems, I had that same 
kind of inner talk with myself. I mean, I didn't have a doctor tell me, but I remember I was going to Carl's Jr. And my staple meal when I would play football was two double Western bacon cheeseburgers, a large fry, and a Hawaiian punch. Sugar, carbs. Give give me the heart attack on the menu, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes if I was feeling a little like, you know, I was feeling myself, I'd get the Oreo cookie shake too. Oh, damn. (laughs) And I remember, I remember I I had this sliding glass door closet and so I was getting my shirt and I remember like I closed the mirror door I'm putting my shirt on and I mean I didn't really have a lot of clothes so I mean it was kind of just the same clothes I wore the year before but I put it on and I used to wear like those Ashaka shirts I don't know if you guys ever wore them they're like the tight kind of like collared ones the thick ones just a plain Mm t-shirt and it was a double XL and I remember I, I put it on and it was tight. Like my, like, I mean, my stomach was popping out. And, and like, I remember looking myself in the mirror before I was going to Carlos Jr. And I was just like, is this where I'm headed? Is this the life that I want? And I remember my dad always told me, be the person that you want to be, become, you know, like the person you envision yourself and the type of father you're going to be, the type of husband be that person today. Don't wait till the future because the future is now. And I really dug deep. It was emotional. And, you know, I realized like, nah, I I can't do this. And just like you, right. I mean, it was like cold Turkey, like flip 180, like no fast food. I literally just ate like a bodybuilder, like broccoli, chicken, rice. You know, I worked out every day, probably not what I would recommend people to do <laughs> just for the listeners. I do not want you to work out seven days a week, high intensity interval training and just eat like, you know, 1300 calories. Cause I'm pretty sure that's what I was doing, but yeah, man. So it, you know, it's, it's crazy. I think, you know, life, like we all have our own paths and our own journeys and, you know, hearing your story, it, it does blow me away a little bit when I hear other people's stories and it's like, holy shit, like that's like me, but like in a different context. And yeah. it's like, it's really inspiring. Like, like, I mean, I don't have kids, you know, someday I'll have kids, but I know that when I hear people who have kids or people who are farther in life than me and, you know, the experiences that they go through and just really hearing the wisdom that you're sharing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's inspiring stuff. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm very grateful that, we're talking right now on this podcast. I'm grateful for Chris bringing you on this podcast. I'm grateful for Jake and Chris putting this thing together to bring on people like yourself, Lars, and, and, and hear your story and hear not just the success, but hear the struggles and the adversity you've gone through and really coming out of it and becoming stronger, becoming a better version of yourself. Because like you yeah. said, you know, without, well, damn, I'm a butcher. Well, without, was it without, without, with, without any yeah. test, there is no testament, right? Mm, yeah. No testimony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One yeah. thing's kind of sort of end on is all of these moments, right? And this is, this is a very teachable, coachable moment, right? And being present and really focusing in on yourself internally. All of these moments that we experience, right? That pivotal moment is a moment of vulnerability, right? So in my case, right, that, that moment was when, you know, I was on the path to committing suicide because of my alcoholism. It was a moment that I was awakened to myself and I was able to see myself. Like Laz, you were able to see yourself. Pat, you were able to see yourself. And that moment, if we're not awake, if we're not aware, 
then we're just going to keep going. Mm. Right? For me, it would have been the end. You know what I mean? And that's the evolution of the man, like the, the spiritual man, right? Because we evolve, right? So those same tactics we use to get to where we are, right? They have to also evolve. So, so our grind, our hustle becomes something else, right? So my grind, my hustle, I don't, I don't move the way I used to move. I move with love and compassion and I feel great, right? But it's to the outside where it still looks like I'm moving like a madman, like I, like I still move. But instead of cracking a bottle or getting into a fire, whatever it was, I'm here to say, hey, I'm of service. I love you. How can I help you? And it's a whole different thing. And I really appreciate that about you as opening up and, and talking about, you know, the ending and when you got heavy and all that stuff, because mm. people need to hear that, man. People need to hear that moment of clarity that we receive. And sometimes that moment of clarity is in the darkest places. It's in the deepest, darkest places. And, you know, to all the young athletes out there, I think the message is to be present. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about the now and right. get yourself a great coach. Like us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, like us here on the performance. For yeah. like, oh. and, and, and just to, you know, end it off on this note, Chris, when I went back to a 19-year-old, Anthony Lazarus, mm. back then, we didn't have the access we have today, right? Yeah. So if you wasn't around someone physically that would mentor you and guide you, mm-hmm. you were done. Now mm. with technology, you coaches like yourself can point to someone across the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah Kids yeah. that come from underprivileged areas, all they have to do is send a message and get click on a Zoom and they have mm-hmm. access. And that's the beauty that these young athletes need to take advantage of that we didn't have back in our days, you yeah. know, where you can have access to great mentorship, someone that has been where you're, you want to go and have the knowledge to get you there. You know, and I think technology is a phenomenal thing, especially yeah. for athletes today. It's used right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's used, used right. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Laz, man, I want to say thank you so thank much. You. And it's kind of piggybacking off this everything we're just now talking about. Like, I feel so grateful for you to share your story with us. And I feel like it's so important for people to hear that message because, like Chris said, like, Sometimes our biggest breakthroughs and awakenings are in our darkest times. And I I could relate to everything you were saying, man, in my own way, from my own journey. And, you know, it's funny, I wanted to say this earlier and I wish I did, but you were talking about that defining moment with your coach when he was like, what did he say to you on the field? You're running like you're scared. He would say, you're running like a pussy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try to clean it up a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're running like a, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. No, and, 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 you know, for me, man, and, and it's, it's funny because, because, uh, you know, you had said like, that was like a switch for you. It was like, oh, I'm going right. to prove everyone wrong. For me growing up, I didn't really come from parents who were super confident and didn't really instill confidence. So in sports, mm-hmm. I grew up playing football, baseball, basketball, everything. But when my coaches would come down on me, I took it as, as like insecurity mm. and it's almost like this insecurity built and it, it like, for me, I got away from sports because I right. felt less than, and mm-hmm. I actually, I started skateboarding and I was good. I was really good at skateboarding. So I was like, I'm going to take this cause I don't have anyone telling me like, right. you know, Hey man, like <laughs> get your shit together. So, you know, it wasn't until later in life where I started to have these moments of like, 
all starting to feel confident in, in doing things that people said I couldn't do. And man, it's, it's so beautiful. Uh, man, I, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you were here today and I appreciate yeah. you sharing your story, man. I, I, thank you so much, brother. Love you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. And I would love to be a speak on this show. I love the yeah. energy. Yeah. Really appreciate you yeah. guys, man. Of course, man. Really I was thinking, honestly, I was just thinking, I think we got to do a part two. Like we yeah, got yeah. to expand on, on everything yeah. we're oh, just talking absolutely. about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I agree. I, I, I second that one. All right, guys. Thanks, it brother. It was a pleasure. It was awesome. And, you know, you guys in many ways, you know, inspire me because sometimes you do think you're the only one going through mm-hmm. the trenches and hearing other people's story. You know, sometimes that just ignite that flame. And, hey, you're not out here alone going through yeah. this. Yeah. Right. Somebody yeah, else is going through that battle. For sure. Bro. Inner city blues, baby. <laughs> Inner city guys. blues. Much, Much love, Laz. Much love, man. <laughs> All right, peace and love, guys. Take care.